Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you for how it grounds us. It, it, it directs us. It helps us to understand who you are, but also who we are, and really what we're here for, our purpose. Thank you that your word helps to describe uh, so much of what we need on a daily basis. It gives us wisdom. It gives us encouragement. It gives us hope. It tells us about the future. It tells us about the past. And it helps us to know that you're right here present with us at this very moment. So thank you for being here with us this morning, whether we're here in this building or whether we're at home listening. We ask that your word would change us, teach us this morning. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we started this new year uh, really trying to get our foundation straight together to make sure that we are starting 2022 uh, on the right track with God and with one another. And so this morning, the message is called The Abundant Life, Fruitful and Free. Fruitful and free. I want to describe abundant life to you um, as being a fruitful life, one that has purpose and meaning in it, and a free life, that you're free from your past. You're free from the things that Jesus came to set us free from, from Satan's power, from sin, from, from the destruction that all of that causes. We're free from that in Christ Jesus, and so we praise God for that. I guess I want to start by asking the question, do you think you're living that kind of life? Do you think you're living a life that is fruitful and purposeful? And do you feel like you're living in the freedom that Jesus came to give you? That's the question we'll start with. Only you know the answer to that. So let's begin by understanding what the abundant life really means, right? So Jesus used this term... Abundance In John chapter 10, when he's teaching, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come, Jesus has come, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly. To the full. The Greek word, actually, because our English is always limited somewhat. I was talking to someone about that before church. It's useful to look at different translations because often one English word does not have enough power in it to help explain what the Greek word actually meant. The Greek word for abundant life or abundance is actually superabundance to one word in Greek. Right? We transliterate it. It's called transliterating and trying to put English uh, letters to it and make it make sense to us. But super abundance. So that's not like just regular abundance, which is probably pretty good. But super abundance is a lot more abundance than we maybe imagined. The abundant life that Jesus is talking about is a super abundant life. Referring to a life that's abounding in the fullness of God, in the fullness of his joy, in the fullness of his strength, in your body and your soul and your spirit, not just off in one category for one day a week or for one part of your life, but for your entire life. 
That's why the illustration here of the Alka-Seltzer tablet, the one that's still in its package, isn't having a super abundant time, right? It's still, it's so bound in its packaging, it hasn't made any difference or, or, or much of a difference at all in the life of that cup of water, right? But the one that was released began to have all this energy released and this superabundance of Alka-Seltzer was spread around in the whole cup, in the whole life as that cup represents. So instead of feeling empty, dissatisfied, purposeless, fruitless, stressed out and bored, Believers in Jesus Christ who are walking in the fullness, the superabundance of the spirit of Jesus, have a life that's full of purpose and meaning as God's children here on earth. We're not just waiting for that life, but we have it even now by faith, by living in the spirit, by letting the spirit live in us. So abundant life for a person begins, yes, when they're born again, the spirit of God comes into their lives, which brings then a whole new relationship with God because before sin separated us, but now we have no more separation between us and and our father God because of what Jesus has done. So we have a new relationship with God. We have a new motivation for life, new purpose, new relationship with with everyone, really, a new relationship with our Father God, new relationship with Jesus, his son, new relationship with the Holy Spirit, new relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, new relationship even with the world, those who have yet to know Jesus. We have a new relationship which starts in being born again in the spirit. And we talked about last week how we need to grow and mature into those things. We don't want to... We don't want our walk with Christ to be frustrating, unfulfilling, unproductive. We want our walk with Christ to be fruitful and to be a life of freedom. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to share with you really two specific things that we need to have in order to live for Jesus in 2022, to live fruitful lives, to live in freedom. The freedom that Christ died to give us. And those two things are spiritual maturity and spiritual freedom. Our songs this morning, I don't know if you realize the theme of the songs, but they were all about our chains are gone. We've been set free because of what Jesus has done for us. Our chains are gone. The shackles have been removed. But have we begun to respond appropriately to that freedom because our mentality could still be that of slaves we could still be living as though we're slaves even though we've been set free the message of freedom is important for us to let it in and continue to remind us of what Jesus has done for us see we have to have a biblically informed world perspective or perspective on our lives we've got to know God we've got to know that we're his children And what it means to be a child of God. But we also got to know where our strength, where our purpose for life comes from. See, purpose matters. It matters. Let me illustrate. I heard this this week in in a a Bible study. 
A lot of us have an iPhone, or we know what an iPhone is, or we have a smartphone. And the smartphone has a purpose. It has actually multiple purposes. For me, it's like a calendar. It's something I get messages on. It's something I talk on. So it has lots of purposes. I can look things up. So it has a purpose. But one of the things that is not its purpose is to be used as an ice scraper for my windshield. Right? That's not the purpose of an iPhone or a smartphone. When you got ice on your windshield, you don't take it out of your pocket and... I hope you don't. I hope you don't. Don't do it if you're tempted to. There's got to be something else you could use. You don't use an expensive tool that's made for many, many purposes for that purpose. That's, that's not living according to the purpose. And I think sometimes our lives are frustrating. Sometimes we're, we're, we're turned around and disoriented as Christians because we're trying to live a purpose that we weren't meant to live. And we're not living into the fullness of the purpose that we have been called to live. We are called to be witnesses of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ, wherever we live. We're called to bring hope to the hopeless. We're called to bring truth to those who are, who are trapped in the lies of this world. We're, trapped, we're called to bring love and peace and reconciliation and so much more to the world around us. We have a purpose We're not just waiting for our ticket to be up and us to be called into glory. We're not sitting in a bus stop twiddling our thumbs. God left us here to be witnesses of who he is and what he has done. And so we're going we're gonna, to, this year, we're going to explore this, this, this winter and this coming spring. We're going to explore what that means to walk in the fullness of what God intended for his church, for his people. Because I think and I'm afraid that I'm not living fully into those purposes. And I also feel that for you, my brothers and sisters. It's not a criticism. It's an evaluation. I want to live more fully for God's purposes this year. I want you and the church to live more fully into the purposes that God has for us. By his spirit, we can do that. But before we can live into these new purposes, we have to be, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. We don't do it in our own strength. We don't do it in our own wisdom. We can't. All we can do is mess it up on our own. With him, we have unlimited wisdom. We have unlimited guidance. We even have unlimited strength to carry it forward to walk it out, to live it out in every relationship he's called us to be a part of. Do you know that we are free to shake off the shackles, as that song said, the the, the shackles of slavery, the habits that kept us bound for many years. We're free in Christ to shake them off, to live abundantly, to live fruitful lives for God. But are we acting like we're free? Are we living into that abundance? Do we even believe that it's possible? Sometimes we've been so beaten up by sin, so beaten up by the habits that have been in control of our lives that we don't even think it's possible. Oh, I could never be free. I've been an addict for so many years. How could I ever change? Well, you can change by the power of the Holy Spirit released into your life. It is possible. 
And sometimes because we've, we've tried and we've failed and we've tried again and we've failed and we've tried in our own strength so often and we were too weak and we got too worn out, we finally just say, well, this is just the way I am. God's just going to have to accept me the way I am. And the truth is, he does accept you the way you are. But he wants you to grow and to mature and to become more like Christ and to have a purpose for your everyday life. To live out the purpose that God has for you. See, the Bible declares that we are free. It says it in a number of different verses. You may have actually read some of these verses if you read that sheet from last week, the Who, I, Who Am I sheet that I passed out last Sunday or that I made available on the website. Here's the website. If you didn't see that sheet, Who Am I in Christ? It's found at theholdenchapel.org on, on the web and under the resources and then under the reading plan. We put it there for you. So you can pull it up on your phone or on your computer. Those of you who are at home don't have to come here to pick it up. There's some at the information desk. But in those verses, we saw some of the freedom in Christ expressed. So, for instance, in Romans 6, uh, verses 1 through 6, it tells us that I died with Christ... In other words, I, I, I'm one with him on the cross. My sin died with him, but the power of sin also died. The, 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 the idea that sin rules my life died when Christ died for me on the cross. So when you're struggling with sin, to know this fact that sin doesn't rule you anymore. It's not your ruler. It's not your boss. It's an element. It's an annoyance. It's an enemy. But it is not your boss any longer. This is an important truth to get settled in you. So you can walk in the abundant life that God has for you. See, we are to be set free in Christ. To stand firm then, it says, it goes on in Romans 6. To stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In other words, some of these things will, will come back around again. They'll come back around again. The temptation will come again. The, the, the pressures will come again. We're not, we're, we're not in heaven yet, so some of these things are still here to bother us. But when they come, knowing that you are not a slave or ruled by those things is super important in order to live in super abundance. If you don't know that, if you think you're a slave to sin, I'll always be this way. I'll never change. Do any of you hear that voice inside of you or around you sometimes? Especially after you've failed. Oh, not again. That's it. This is just the way I am, right? There's no hope in that. There's no superabundance in that. There's no freedom in that, right? It's a trap. Don't let those words sink so deeply into you that you are no longer free to be and do what God asks you to do. Another one of the verses is, is 1 John 3, verse 8, sort of the second half of the verse. It says, the reason that the Son of God, the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the devil's work, to destroy his work. So if he's working around you, Jesus came to destroy that. He didn't come to let Satan like work all over you, mess you up. He came to stop that. And by the authority of Jesus and what Jesus has done, that can be stopped. You do not have to be a prisoner to that. 
Ephesians 6 is the most familiar and also the most comprehensive for us to think about at this moment. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. See, see, the strength doesn't come from you. It doesn't say be strong in Joanne or be strong in Heather or be strong in, 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 in anybody else. It, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and put on the full armor of God. So he's given us the protection we need. He's given us the direction we need. He's given us the spirit that we need so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Schemes of the devil. Interesting. Satan, his work is being destroyed by Christ. The son of God came for that very reason to destroy the devil's work. And we are now given what we need, standing in God's strength, to be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So when you find yourself being beat up, torn up, destroyed by what the enemy is trying to establish in your life or trying to keep you under, you need to understand the truth of God's word and where your strength comes from. It comes from the Lord. These two verses of 1 John as well as this Ephesians 6, they, they mention the enemy. They mention the devil. Now, we don't like to talk about the enemy, even here in church. We like to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's wise. But he really does exist. And we don't learn that from superstition. We don't learn that from myths. We learn that from God's word. We have an enemy who hates Christ and hates Christ's church, Christ's people, right? So let's stop and think about the, the troubles in our lives, the limitations, the, the ways in which we, we feel bound in the spiritual realm, but also in our lives as a whole. Places where we don't feel freedom, we don't feel superabundance. We feel trapped. Most of our struggles... We tend to blame on ourselves. Oh, I'm just like that. I'm just, you know, a jerk. You know, like we, we like to blame ourselves. Or, this is some of your alternative, we like to blame everybody else. Our troubles come from those people and that person. And if he didn't do this, I wouldn't do that. And da, 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 da. We connect all of our troubles to either ourselves, our own weaknesses, our own frailty, or other people, or it just in general, our society or the world. All of our troubles, they either come from internal or external. The world, other people. But I want to ask you this question. When was the last time that you honestly considered that some of that struggle, some of those relational conflicts, some of those difficulties, those things that make you feel trapped, are actually rooted in the devil's work? We don't think that very often because it's invisible. We don't see him. In that passage in Ephesians 6, it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities in high places. Everybody look up. I, I, don't, I don't see it. Even up high, I don't see them. Right? So because I don't see them, I start to act as though they don't exist. And so I got to blame myself or I got to blame you for all my trouble because I can't see 
the enemy. This is, this is how it works, right? This is, this is the limitations of, of our humanity is because we can't see it. We think it doesn't exist. We blame others. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. What you're seeing are the symptoms sometimes of its existence. For instance, I'm looking at a whole bunch of masked faces because of something invisible that we can't see. We can see symptoms of COVID-19, but I can't see it. They draw this little thing on the news. It looks like a porcupine, like with purple and red little weird things sticking out of it. They say, oh, you know, that's the, that's the virus. I guess if you get a giant microscope and you keep looking, 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 and you can finally see it. But we can't see it. But we're acting as though it's real. It is real, by the way. Sorry to break some of your bubbles. The effects of it are real, right? Makes people sick. We don't want to make people sick, and so we're, we're kind and we wear masks, right? This idea that because we can't see him, the devil doesn't exist is insanity, right? We talked about this, I think on Christmas Eve, I talked about this idea, but, but I have this quote from, from um, Philip Yancey's book, and he said, I don't know if you can read this small print, I'll read it to you. Every animal on earth has a set of correspondences with the environment around it. And some of those correspondences, correspondences, I, I can see it, I can, I can deal with it, I can hear it, whatever. They far exceed our own as humans. Humans can perceive only 30% of the range of the sun's light. The 70% of the sun's light that you're not seeing because your eyes don't have that correspondence. They don't have that ability to absorb that. And only one seventieth of the spectrum of electromagnet magnetic energy, which I don't even know what that is, but it's one seventieth of that, which is a very small bit. Many animals, animals now, exceed our own abilities. We like to think we're the top. We are in many ways, but we're not the top in some ways. Bats detect insects by using sonar. Now, you open the refrigerator, you're looking for the mayonnaise, you can't find it, right? It's right in front of your face. Your wife comes over and says, it's right here, dear, if she's nice, right? Bats, out at night, in the dark, can find a tiny little insect that's flying around by using sonar. You can't. Pigeons navigate by magnetic fields. You get lost using your GPS, right? We don't have the same ability to understand the environment around us as some of the animals that God created. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, oh, let me finish the quote, sorry. Bloodhounds perceive a world of smells unavailable to us. That's the end of the quote. That's why we use them to try to find the criminals, right? Find the evidence, a bloodhound. They don't tell you to get down there and start sniffing. Follow the trail. We just don't have the ability Right? So within us, God limited us. Why? Often we ask that question of God. Watch out, because Job did too, and the answer was scary. But, but, but I, I do. I ask it. I, I try to get away with it. Why, why did you limit us? Why can't we see into the spirit realm right now when I'm in my earthly body? Why are these powers and principalities 
beyond me, right? Do you know why? Because God loves us and he wants a relationship with us. And he knows that we will develop that relationship if we realize we need him. See, if we didn't need him, we'd be all little gods and goddesses, right? Which a lot of people are running around like that in this day and age. They make their own little reality. But there's a real reality that God created. And he created us to be in relationship with him. To be lesser than him. Sorry if that hurts your pride. You're not God. Neither am I. But to need him. To to need his input. To need his guidance. To need his help. To need his love. To need his peace. To need his strength. We're created for that. To be in relationship with with God that way. Adam and Eve in the back in the garden before sin. They, they related to God. They needed that relationship in order to be fully who God created them to be, to fulfill their purpose. So God gave us limitations, but he gave us his word and his son and his spirit to help fill in the gap, to help us to develop a stronger relationship with him, which then develops us into our full potential. We don't always realize the unseen forces that we're fighting against. And we're not living in the freedom and the superabundance that God wanted us to have. Because we tend to think that all of our negative thoughts, all of our relationship problems, all of our insecurities are just a, a product of ourselves. But that's not true. That's not what God's word says. Friends, we need to hold firmly to the biblical worldview if we're going to live abundant, super abundant lives in 2022. Because we're moving on. We're not going to worry about last year. It'll have to take care of itself, right? But we're going to move on into spiritual maturity, to growing in the freedom that Christ died to give us. And even though... Satan destroyed, I mean, Jesus destroyed the work of the devil, it says in Colossians 2. We're still wrestling with his lies and the deceptions even today. And how do we fight those things? Well, John 8, Jesus made it clear in John 8, 31. John 8, 31 says that the truth if we hold fast to the truth. So, so if we hold fast to my teaching. This is Jesus speaking again. He's teaching. He came to teach us how to live. Then you're really my disciples. Then when you hold on to my teachings. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. I always hear like an abbreviation of this verse. Which bothers me. Basically the truth will set you free brother. People use that little portion to sort of be rude sometimes to you. The truth will set you free. You're a jerk. That's the truth. Be free. That's not how this was intended to be used. If you hold to Jesus' teachings, you're really his disciples. You're his students, right? You're learning from him. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So we fight Satan's deception, Satan's lies, Satan's bothersome stuff with truth, with the truth of who God gave us, 
He gave us his spirit. John 14, verse 26. We exercise and we have the strength to walk in truth only by the power of the Holy Spirit. John 14 says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. I love this verse personally because I have a really bad memory. I don't want to have to depend on my human memory. I want to depend on the Holy Spirit to remind me stuff that I need to know about what Jesus said about me, about the world around me, about my future, about you, about us as a church. All these things we need to be reminded of, but it's the Spirit's job to remind us. You don't have to be super smart. You don't have to be like magna cum laude, blah, 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 blah. You don't have to be that to be a Christian. You got to rely on the Holy Spirit. You got to let the Spirit remind you of God's word, keep you soaking in it, keep you remembering so that at every moment and every decision that you have to make, you know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You're able to walk in that will and you're able to experience the super abundant life that he created you to have. And not only to have for yourself, but to bless other people with. Because just like Abraham's covenant, we're blessed to be a blessing. And if you're not a blessing to the people around you, something's wrong with being blessed. You haven't quite understood who you are in Christ yet. Because you're blessed to be a blessing. So if you're not being a blessing, maybe you're not blessed. Maybe you don't know that you're blessed. Maybe you're not walking in freedom. Maybe you don't know that you're free. Right? So the truth will set you free. When you know you're free, you'll act like you're free and you'll be a blessing because you'll be living out of that blessing. See, I think we get stuck. There's just different places where we get stuck and we start twirling around. We're not really going forward anymore. We're just going around chasing our tail. The Spirit of God is given to us to help us to continue to grow, to continue to walk in freedom and to experience more and more and more in super abundance. Do you believe that? If you believe it, then let's dive into it. The spirit of Jesus lives in every true believer and is there to help us to remember God's word in every trouble, in every trial, in every temptation. We need the spirit's help in order to win on this spiritual battlefield that we're living in. I'd like to encourage you If you really don't understand a lot of the concepts of spiritual warfare or even the phrase spiritual warfare, we have right now media available to every one of you if you so desire. You can sign up for this online media source. On it, there's a Holden Chapel page where I've put some resources for you. One of them is called The Invisible War. Charlie and Nancy taught this class on a Wednesday night years ago, The Invisible War. It's not brand new. It's just... A great biblical understanding of what we're up against, who we are, what Christ has done for us as we walk out our lives with enemy Satan around. We don't have to be afraid of him because as believers in Christ, we don't fight for victory. We're fighting from victory, right? We're we're not, we already know that Christ has won. We already know that because we're in him, we've won with him. We have these little skirmishes and these troubles and these tribulations going on. Yes, those really do happen. But 
the actual place that we're fighting from is a place of victory in Christ, of freedom in Christ, of even maturity in Christ. We have, Scripture says even, and we'll look at this in the weeks to come, we have the mind of Christ in order to guide us and lead us and to give us the wisdom that we need. So in Christ, we have already overcome, but we must resist and stand firm, as Ephesians 6 says, against the devil and his lies with the truth that God has given us so that he doesn't cause more damage in our lives or more damage in other people's lives around us. Listen, if you doubt that there is a devil, just turn on the evening news. Scripture says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and lie, right? He's the father of all lies. The news, it's about someone stealing something, someone killing someone, something being destroyed, or some kind of lie. I don't know why we torture ourselves and watch it every, <laughs> every day, but it's part of our cycle, right? What's going on in the world? Let me watch the news. Oh, how depressing, right? Then we got to pray and say, God, give me hope. I need hope. I can't take it anymore. And then we get restored in hope. And then we go on and we say, oh, the news is on. I better watch the news again. No, don't. Take a break from it until you feel strong enough to handle all that. So you can intercede and you can do what God's intended you to do. Because we're not to be afraid. We don't need to fear the enemy. 1 John 4, 4 tells us, greater is he who's in us than he who's on the news. I mean, I'm sorry, in the world, right? Greater is he that's in you. So even when you hear that horrible thing or that thing happened or, you know, it comes closer, it might be something that even happened to you. Greater is he who's in you. So the question is, who's in you? Who are you relying on? Who are you depending on? Nick, are you depending on Nick? Don't depend on Nick. Nick, depend on Jesus. Depend on God. Nick, you're good. You got, you got a lot of strength. You're a good guy, but you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Neither am I. To be able to outsmart powers and principalities in high places? What? No. We need God. And we need who is in us, the God who is in us, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God you're not your own Nick you're not just Nick you're Nick the temple of the Holy Spirit of God that's a better Nick it's a better Tom it's a better David right if we have the Holy Spirit in us we're not just us, we're us plus God, which is amazing. And, and we can't let it go to our heads. It's nothing to be prideful about. It's only by his grace that we have this great gift, but he is now in us. If you've received Christ, you are not your own any longer. So who's in you? God's very own Holy Spirit, the spirit that came on Jesus at Jesus's baptism, that spirit, not a different spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is within you. The power in you and the power that you and I need to win the battle here on earth and to fulfill our purpose for God, to grow spiritually, to be free in the spirit is only found in the Holy Spirit. 
That's it. That's it. Now that sounds easy. And maybe it is. But we're going to spend weeks on it. We're going to drill down, down, down until we get it. Until nobody can take it from us. Until a bad day doesn't take it from us. A bad week, a bad month, a bad year. Nothing should be able to take that superabundance from us. But I fear that it does. It comes and goes. It feels like. and There's all this stuff that takes place that shouldn't be happening to the temples of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit stays. He never leaves us. We need to grasp that in order to live the superabundant life that Jesus gave us. So I want to end by letting you think about something that I've been thinking about for months now. Ready? Okay. After this, we'll, we'll sing a song, we'll pray, we'll go home, whatever. But I want to ask you honestly, why are we living halfway abundant lives? Like halfway lives with God. I'm sort of okay. I'm kind of growing. I'm halfway free. Why are we living these, in this like no man's land in between? What I mean is, are we living like the disciples lived after the resurrection, but before Pentecost? There's a period of 50 days. If we're going to look at it, we'll start in two weeks because next week's Jubilee. But there's a period of 50 days in which the disciples, the followers of Jesus... They knew he rose from the dead. They were like eating with him. They were listening to him. They were meeting with him in rooms. They were, they were watching him live a resurrected life. In those 50 days, they had heard his teachings. They had seen his miracles. They had watched him die in their place. They experienced the resurrection Mary, Mary told them he was alive, and he really, really was. But Jesus didn't send them out to do anything in the world in those 50 days. They knew everything. They experienced it personally. But what did he say? Go to Jerusalem. This is in Acts 2. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait for power, actually says. Wait for power from on high. We can know everything, every page number, every verse, everything from this. But if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. We're trying to do it. We're frustrated because we're not very good at it. We keep failing because we're not doing it as Jesus instructed. Yes, you need to know his teachings. Yes, you need to understand the law. Yes, you need to understand his grace and his sacrifice for you. Sure, good, great. You need that. That's foundational. But in order to live it out, in order to walk it out, in all the relationships that you're called to walk it out in, You have to have power from on high. You have to have the Holy Spirit working, working, not packaged up with a label on it, but working in every area of your life. And that's no easy task. So that's why we're going to take weeks, maybe months, 
Who knows? Until power from on high is running our lives and working in our lives and changing our lives, why don't we just keep drilling down until we hit oil? Right? Let's just do it. So if you're ready for that, if you're not ready for that, I'm sorry, but come along for the ride. But if you're ready for that, I really want you to join me with that. Because here's what it's like. We're, we're, we're good cars, right? We, we're shiny. Maybe we're a sports car. Maybe we're an SUV. Maybe we're a truck. We're good. We're great. We got lights in the front. We got brake lights in the back. We got a muffler. You got some gears inside that turn around. You even got oil, some gas in your gas tank, but you don't have a battery. When it's so cold out, like it was this morning, the last few mornings, and you go to your car, it goes, it doesn't go, vroom, right? It goes, the lights dim, right? It's the battery. You can be the best car in the world. You can know all the books of the Bible backwards and forwards. You can know all the prophets and all the prophecies. You can know it all. But if you don't have a battery, you ain't going nowhere. Your whole purpose to be a vehicle, to be a car, is to go somewhere. Not just sit in the driveway or in the garage and collect dust. Are you sitting Are you collecting dust or rust? Sometimes I am. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I am. I'm not moving forward in the purposes that God has for me. I'm held back by some things. Why? Not because Jesus didn't give me everything I need, but because I'm not realizing that Jesus gave me everything I need. I'm not applying it to every area of my life. Some areas, yes. Some areas, not so much. Like the Alka-Seltzer is to just keep fizzing and fizzing and working and working and working until it's taking over everything. If we don't have a battery, it doesn't matter how good your car looks, how shiny you shined it, how big the engine is, doesn't matter. If you don't have a battery, you're not going anywhere. And that's also for electric cars. Those of you who have electric cars, if you don't have a battery, you're not going anywhere. As a Christian, if you don't have the power from on high working in your life, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, it's a kind of a clap like, mmm. That's good, but that hurts. That's kind of painful, but I know it's right. I know it's good. I'll keep clapping. Amen? I am so excited. This is it. This is it. This is the key. This is where we need to go. So we just need to like buckle in, get ourselves ready, and begin to dive into this understanding of not just who we are in Christ, but who's in us. Because those things are important, both of them. So that we can stand united with God, because that's where the unity comes from, from the Spirit, united with God and fulfill His purposes in this new year, 2022. And however many years and days we got after that. So this, this next season, this next series, we'll start on January 30th because next week's Jubilee Sunday, is going to be called Walking in the Spirit. We're going to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit. This is a phrase from the epistles. It's a phrase that's used throughout the New Testament. But what does it mean to walk in the Spirit?
How do I do it? How do I live in the super abundant life that Jesus died to give me? That's the question. I don't have the answer yet, and neither do you. But we know someone who does have the answer. And if we seek him, Scripture says we will find him when we seek him with our whole heart. Whole heart. He doesn't want a part of you. He wants all of you. He loves the whole self. He loves you, body, soul, and spirit. Let's pray. God, by your spirit, by your power, get us ready for this journey with you so that our lives can be transformed, that we can walk in the fullness that you came to give us. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Sometimes we've just received it, but never unwrapped it. Help us to be bold enough and brave enough to unwrap it. Help us to do it together as a body because that's how you intended us to live in relationship with one another as members of your body, filled with your spirit as as temples coming together to worship you and to live purposeful, fruitful, free lives in Jesus Christ. God, I'm excited about what you're going to do. We don't want to live half Christian lives anymore. We want to be fully devoted to you, walking in the fullness of what you intended to give us. Through Jesus we pray, and we will keep praying. Amen. Amen.